What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. For the first time in 2024, welcome to First Strike here on Visa. I'm your host, Dave Ross, for the next hour. Going to break down UFC main event. Yes, we finally are back to fighting in 2024. Magomed Ankalaev against Johnny Walker in the a rematch of sorts for these guys after what happened three months ago with a no contest. They're finally going to finish what they started three months ago in Abu Dhabi. Right here uh, in Las Vegas. Cannot wait for that fight to come on Saturday night. So we're going to have Dan Vreeland, Jordan Sherwood, Lou Finicaro, and Reed Kuhn for the next hour. We begin by shipping up to Boston to say hello for the first time in 2024 to our guy, Dan Vreeland. Follow him on X at Gumby Vreeland. Dan, what did you do during this historic break that the UFC took? Well, the, the Sports Gambling Podcast Network's uh, MMA Gambling Podcast takes no breaks. So we broke down Samurai Fight House from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Wow. We broke down Octagon MMA out in Prague. We you know we we broke down regional MMA all over the world because guess what? MMA doesn't stop when the UFC does, so neither do we. Beautiful. <laughs> Love it. That's the way you bide your time here. But we are back to the big boys here, uh, certainly in the light heavyweight division when we get to Live against Johnny Walker. And again, I mentioned it off the top, what happened three months ago in Abu Dhabi. Looked like a fight that Ankalaev had control of, then an illegal knee, some confusion, some language barriers as to whether or not Johnny Walker could go on or not. They stopped the fight. You know, I think what gets lost in translation a little bit is, is the fact that it did look like Ankalaev was dominating that fight. He's now a huge favorite, almost a $5 betting favorite, to dominate again. Do you think the pause is good for Johnny Walker to see kind of what he did wrong, or... Like we've said before, Dan, you never know what to expect of what Johnny Walker's thinking in a Johnny Walker fight. 
Yeah, I, I don't think there's any idea what Johnny Walker's thinking because they asked him what country he was in, and he was like, I wouldn't have known that if I hadn't gotten eaten in the head. <laughs> so, you know, Johnny Walker is a tough guy to handicap all the time anyway. But I will say this, you know, like everybody has that narrative that Megamed Ankalaev was sort of the dominant fighter in that fight and like clearly looked like he was going to win that. You know, until he hit that body shot about two and a half minutes in, I actually think Johnny Walker was getting the better of the striking mm. and it buckled Johnny Walker a little bit. He throws the flying knee, winds up getting taken down. And yeah, it, it didn't work out for him once it hit the mat. It looked pretty bad there, but he seemed to be doing good digging for underhooks and, and keeping ankle live at range with strikes before that moment, before he got kind of stunned. And I actually think that, that Johnny Walker holds a much better chance than the odds sit here. Um, I, I don't know necessarily that I like, you know, I'm, I'm rushing out to grab myself a Johnny Walker ticket at plus 360. But I, I think the way that this line has risen on Magomed Ankalaev has just put it in an unplayable range for me. Negative 470. I don't want any part of that. I don't want any part of that in a, you know, a parlay. I don't want any part of that in, in straight money line. And, and if you look at all of the different props, you know, like, yeah, he probably gets it done with the TKO if he does. We saw him hurt Johnny Walker to the body. And even that line it doesn't look interesting in any way, shape, or form. So for me, it's kind of played itself into a dog or pass spot. You know, you look at the total rounds here, and again, five round, uh, even though it's not a title fight, obviously the main event, where it could potentially go on all five. It's juiced here, not that much at, at seven and a half minutes to over is just a dollar forty. Again, getting in the head of Johnny Walker to pace himself, to not throw something wild so a takedown can occur for Uncle Live. Because he's got a seven-inch reach advantage here. If he can keep the fight standing uh, and keep it there, he'd, he'd have some built-in advantages. Is there a lean one way or the other? I think this gets done quickly inside of five minutes. Definitely to the over. Uh, I mean, I, I think the first fight would have gone over seven and a half minutes had it not been an illegal strike, right? Like, if you let Johnny get up in that spot, I think he survives a minute 20 left. And I don't think there's any doubt with the way that he was establishing range and staying away from the big shots of Ankalaev while he overexerted himself. I don't think there's any doubt that Johnny Walker stays alive for another two and a half minutes there. Or, you know, like for that matter, Magomedic Goliath stays alive for two and a half minutes because this Johnny Walker at Straight Blast Gym so far has been infinitely more patient than the Johnny Walker that we were used to seeing when he was up and coming, who was doing lots of spinning stuff, getting into lots of trouble that way. And I mean, like the only spinning thing that he threw against Goliath kind of got him into trouble. I expect him to be even more patient the second time. I, I tend to agree with you. To me, my lean would be towards that over as well. Again, not as big a price to pay there, just $1.40 to go over seven and a half minutes. Uh, Dan, I always love to talk undercards with you and find some value out there and certainly fighters that you like. One of them uh, early on here in the Bantamweight division, Marcus McGee back in there. Uh, over a $2 betting favorite here. Is the price too steep for you uh, against uh, Baston, uh, Gaston Balonis here? Or do you think that uh, McGee should be this rightful favorite here at over $2? Uh, I'm seeing right now, what about, I got to put my glasses on. 258 is what I'm seeing right here from Marcus McGee. Yeah, I think 258 is is still undervaluing him. Man, this dude throws absolute hammers when he, he boxes. Um, I love how composed he is. Clearly, you know, having John Crouch in his corner has been really great for him. He's developed well. He's also one of those fighters that spend enough time in the regional scene where he clearly has worked out some of the kinks in his fight game before he's gotten to the UFC. So we're, we're looking at a guy who's not a prospect, but a fully formed fighter at this point. And Bolanos is a guy who's been tagged a whole bunch of times in his career. And that's a problem against the guy who hits as hard as Marcus McGee. Now, negative 250, you know, I'm, I'm never one of the ones who's going to tell you to go out there and empty the bank account on somebody who's, you know, that big of a favorite, mm -hmm. so to speak. But 
I do think when the KO prop shows up here and I've seen them, you know, dabbling around in different places, I think you're going to see a great number on the KO prop here. I, you know, like I, I think it's an obvious outcome for me that Marcus McGee is going to knock out Gaston Bolanos. I think he's going to do it early. Mm. You could probably find round props here and stuff like that on him too. But yeah, Marcus McGee couldn't be higher on the guy. Yeah, I love that. Again, that's a great way to, uh, to identify and uh, turn those prices around there instead of paying a lot of money here from McGee. Either go first round if it thinks it's going to be early and get some plus money there or by uh, KOTK or or two to one right now, you can get on the KO prop. So how about that? Instead of laying two fifty, you can get plus two dollars there on McGee uh, at a really nice price tag. You know, every time I can't believe in twenty twenty four now that we're talking about a fighter as Britton Hess, our esteemed producer, likes to point out that the pit bull Andre Olavsky was fighting professionally in nineteen ninety six. Dan, you and I are both big cowboy fans. Dallas Cowboys <laughs> won a Super Bowl in nineteen ninety five. When Orlovsky is getting ready to get into an octagon the next year. It's been that long. Right. And here we are now. Orlovsky, you can understand why against Waldo uh, Ocasio-Cortez is a big dog against Acosta here. Plus 455 is what I'm seeing for Orlovsky. Can the pit bull turn back the hands of time against a guy like Waldo? I think so. And, and here's the thing. I'm First of all, big Andre Orlovsky fan. Grew up watching him, which is an insane sentence to be saying about a guy still fighting in 2024. Uh, but... Two things that I really like about his game is, first of all, he has reestablished basically a point fighting system mm -hmm. since he's turned in, you know, into his late 30s, early 40s. He's working with Matt Brown. He's hitting leg kicks. He's hitting jabs. He's staying out of the range of big fighters. And it's worked sometimes against some of the guys who, you know, maybe are a little bit more sloppy, the Carlos Felipe's of the world. And it's not worked against Tom Aspinall. You know, so when you're looking for where does Waldo Costa or uh, Costa Ooh, Costa or Cortez <laughs> but fall in this this range. I don't trust him. Yeah. Uh, what what I've seen from him, both when he was on Contender Series, when he was you know on the regional scene, what he's done so far in the UFC, he's a guy who doesn't have a great gas tank in the first place. He's a guy who, when he's pushing forward against a guy like Andre Arlovsky, I think is going to overexert himself. And he, for once, is not going to be fighting a heavyweight who will be tempted to turn around a knockout blow, right? Andre Arlovsky does the smart thing. He does the simple thing, which is hit him with a jab and get the hell out of there. And I think at plus 455, which is an insane return on this guy, even if you just want to fade WCA here, I think that's the right move. You know, by decision for Arlovsky is six to one. But again, you're not getting that much more than the, the plus 455. Would you just play the 455 in case Arlovsky actually hurt Waldo and went in for the finish? I, I don't think there's any way he tries to. Is the thing, and and I don't even mean that is disparaging to yeah. Andre Arlovsky. I think if Waldo Cortez Acosta absolutely tired himself out to the point where he could not punch anymore, Homer Simpson style here, <laughs> I don't think Andre Arlovsky would go over and nudge him over. I think he would just stay at range. <laughs> yeah, just winning on points if that's what it takes for the former champion here. Uh, let's get to the main card, and Ricky Simone's back in there against Mario Bautista. Uh, Simone probably uh, didn't end 2023 the way he wanted to now against Bautista minus dollar 80 here is what we're seeing here. Uh, Bautista, the comeback there is plus a dollar 50. How do you measure out these two Bantamweights? You know, I think this line is actually a little bit too low on Ricky Simone. And, and the reason basically is, you know, I, I bet against Mario Batista last time he fought when he fought DeMond Blackshear. And, it, you know, it was kind of maybe against my better judgment because DeMond Blackshear was coming off of like, right. what, 14, 14 days from his last fight, seven days notice. Um, 
But the thing I know about Mario Batista is while he is an exceptional offensive wrestler, he does have some holes in his defensive wrestling. He's given up takedowns to guys like DeMond Blackshear. And some people even argue Blackshear won that fight because of his offensive grappling. Right. Against a guy like Ricky Simone, who scores takedowns. I mean, he scored two on Song Yudong, which like in retrospect, watching what Song Yudong did to Chris Gutierrez, it's insane to think that he was the one establishing the wrestling against Song Yudong. Man, I, I think he's going to have an easy day in the wrestling department with Mario Batista. And at the end of the day, this negative 180 is going to look silly. Yeah, that Song Yudong loss doesn't look as bad as it did on, on fight night on that in that uh, that showing there in five rounds, uh, getting stopped in that fifth and final. Very quickly, about a minute to go here. Jim Miller, 2024, he's still back out there. Gabriel Benitez, what do you make of Bad Moon Rising here? Can he get it done again, the old vet? I think so. And it was crazy to me that he opened up as an underdog. He's now moved his way into being a, a you know, decent sized favorite. Right. And it does see line keeps seeming to go up. So jump on that as quickly as you can. But the bottom line for me is that Gabriel Benitez is a guy who, you know, likes to get into a firefight and is fighting a guy who's shown. I can't believe we're saying about this about Jim Miller, really heavy hands lately. Like this is a guy who now <laughs> is a power puncher and has been knocking people out much younger than him. I think Jim Miller's got the ability to outgrapple him. I think if it does get turned into a firefight, Jim Miller's got the chin to take it. I like Miller by KO. Wow, 40 years young, still kicking. Dan, great to see you in 2024, man. We appreciate it as always, and we'll catch up again soon. When we come back, we're shipping off to Chicago, to the second city, to catch up with Jordan Sherwood. Come on back, it's First Strike here on Beast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you're looking for a betting edge throughout the NFL playoffs and the Super Bowl, the VEASAN experts have got you covered. Become a VEASAN Pro subscriber today. Get access to our daily best bets with a leaderboard to see which VEASAN expert has current on in. Betting splits to show you where the money and bets are moving for every single game, plus betting systems, premium analysis, 24-7 video access. Sign up today. Get your first 30 days for only $9.99 to see everything VEASAN has to help up your betting game. Visit VEASAN.com slash subscribe and sign up today. Now we go to the second city the great city of Chicago, to catch up with our guy, Jordan Sherwood. You can follow him on X, as I do, at Wood on ESPN 1000. Jordan, is it snowing in Chicago? You know, I only lived there for eight years. I don't recall snow. Yeah, we're getting dumped on for the first time pretty heavily uh, this winter, about six inches uh, expected. But look, we knew it was going to happen at some point. Yeah, you guys had a mild, uh, mild winter so far. So mild winter so far. It's just unfortunate for me that it's happening now while the kids are back at school and not oh. while they were on break where we could go sledding and ice skating and do all that fun stuff when it's snowing. So uh, hmm. I might be shoveling tonight, Dave, if you remember that. <laughs> oh, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying not to laugh. No, it's, it's, it's lovely. The summertime, those two weeks of summer are fantastic. Okay, let's, let's get to this card, Jordan, because the UFC is in fact back. And in this main event, you look at Ankalaev against uh, Johnny Walker here. You go back to what happened three months ago in Abu Dhabi. And again, kind of looked like Ankalaev. Walker had his moments early. Illegal strike. This fight is then a no contest officially. How do you see the quote-unquote rematch breaking down? And how much do you take away from what you saw before it was stopped the first time? I'm going to take away a lot. Uh, mm. I am. I, I think we saw both fighters were extremely tentative. Both guys were kind of uh, respectful of each other's uh, strengths during the first couple of minutes of that fight. Then we saw you know, some, some interaction, and Enkolaev gets the fight to the ground. I think he knows that now. He knows that likely he can get this fight to the ground whenever he wants to. And I yes, Walker was on his way up to his feet when uh, those illegal strikes were thrown. But I think Enkolaev understands now, look, he knows where the advantage is. The odds are, are certainly indicated we're expecting a, a domination for, for Magalayev on Kalayev. So I don't really believe these guys are going to waste each other's time now that we're into the to the main event. Now, albeit Johnny Walker talked about, you know, his tutelage on the SPG Ireland, cardio's good. He can go hard for five rounds. I just don't think he's going to have that luxury. I think Magalayev and Kalayev knows he's got the advantage on the feet. He knows he can get this fight to the ground when he wants. He's going to not waste any time whatsoever. Get this fight to the ground and get Johnny Walker out of there 
Uh, as quickly as he probably envisioned he was going to be able to do the first time that they met. So would you look to the under a round and a half, which you can get plus money on here. I've seen about plus dollar 10 uh, here early in the week. Or would you look at an Ankalaev via sub is plus 250 rather. It doesn't seem likely. There's the KO prop. You could cut that nav at minus uh, 265. Would you look that way if you like the uncle I've said side or say, hey, Johnny Walker could still hurt him with hands. So there's a couple ways to get it done inside of seven and a half minutes. Yeah, I think I'm playing it safe and just understanding Walker and just how, you know, look how dangerous he is. And we'll talk about it. I mean, he's a different fighter uh, with the with the new coaching staff. And I think he's a more cerebral fighter with the coaching staff. I mean, the way that he put away Paul Craig is crazy yeah. uh, on one leg. So he's got that versatility in his game. I just think, look, we're talking about Magaleg and Kaliyev that likely probably should be the light heavyweight champion of the world. Uh, but he's had a, you know, an absolute uh, aga of a fight uh, when he fought Jan Blachowicz. So here we go. Let's get him in the title mix with a dominating win over a guy that's surging in Johnny Walker. Did you say intelligence and Johnny Walker in the same sentence? Because that normally I did, didn't I? I did, didn't I? Maybe it's a new thing for 2024. We're going oppo. But look, I mean, he has been fighting a lot smarter. Yeah. You do have to give him credit. Uh, but uh, outside of the cage, if you follow him on Instagram and, and social, he's a great follow. Uh, he makes some pretty interesting choices with his livelihood. Yeah, he is a, he's a very interesting guy, but you're right. I mean, it's, all jokes aside, he really has been more cerebral inside the octagon that we've seen in years past. And that'll be interesting to see how it plays out, but you're right. Uncle Live has a decided advantage on the ground. I wonder if he'll implement that early and often to Jordan's point to get plus money here at uh, under seven and a half minutes. I want to get to a guy that I did not think we'd still be talking about in 2024 and certainly not as a small fave. And that's Jim Miller. I mean, he just, he won't retire certain guys. And by the way, why would he at 40 when he's still fighting the way he is against Gabriel, uh, uh, against Ramirez, uh, Benitez rather here. Gabriel is a small dog here. Plus a dollar 20 on the Benitez size. Miller is right now minus a dollar 18. We've seen the updated odds here. What do you make of old man Jim now at 40? Well, um, look, those odds are updated. I mean, when the fight was released and up until I think Monday or even sun, Sunday or Monday, he was the, the underdog was Jim Miller. So money clearly coming in on him. You could also probably handicap it at like minus 1800, no matter the result of this fight, he will be fighting at UFC 300. Wow. I, I'm confident in that, that Dana White's going to find a way to get him on that card because he was on 100. He was on 200. It makes sense for him on BF3. But look, he's still dangerous. He's still got power. We saw that in a recent uh, first-round finish that he had. He's a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt. Mm -hmm. And in a guy against Benitez, a guy that's been around the block, a veteran that's been in there with some of the best, uh, is, is a perfect stylistic matchup for him because of his aggression, because of the fact that he also wants to look to get in a phone booth and possibly take this fight uh, to the ground. So, look, Benitez, certainly from American Kickboxing Academy, good coaching staff there. Wins and losses kind of alternating for him. He's got power, uh, but I don't think Miller's going to be threatened anywhere. Um, I'll say this. I, I think we're getting an under, but I'm going to look at, at two and a half, just playing it safe. So probably a little you know, juice to, to, to that yeah. as those odds reflect there at under at one and a half. Um, but I think we're seeing a finish in this fight. I think Jim Miller, that's the type of fighter that he's become. Uh, and he, he's a guy that can get stoppages a variety of different ways. 
Benitez the same. Benitez also really puts himself in some dangerous positions and situations. That's not something you do against a veteran as savvy as Jim Miller. So I I'm sided with Miller. How could you not love the guy? I'll take him at a dollar eighteen. Would have loved him at plus money, but I think. I think we're getting a finish in this fight. I think one guy is getting put to sleep or getting knocked out. Benitez, it's not likely 12 to 1 prop for the sub. Now, the KOTKO prop, you can get over $2 there for the Benitez side. Would you go win by finish for Jim at plus $1.50 versus the KOTKO sub price? Because for Jim, both those things could be in play. Yeah, I think he's an equal opportunist. I think probably more likely he stuns Benitez, gets him to the ground, and submits him. But as we've seen, Miller's power still carries with him. That's like literally the last thing to go in MMA. So, yeah, let's just do inside the distance, put a little bit more value on Jim Miller to win the fight. All right, plus $1.50 there for Miller to get it done inside the distance. Bruno Ferreira is a small favorite over Phil Hawes here. I'm seeing about thirty today. Uh, basically, plus ten on the Hawes side. How do you handicap this fight? Yeah, look, I mean, look, obviously he he had a humbling experience his last time out, losing that O, uh, coming in as an undefeated fighter and a big favorite. But now he's getting served a guy that's good, just stylistically a matchup that's perfect for him. Ferreira, who's known as the Hulk, that's his body type, and he just goes Hulk smash in there. <laughs> and look, Haas is, is kind of going to give him that fight. He's going to give him a fight that's standing, give him a guy that's susceptible to the knockout. We've seen Haas, you know, lights go out. I think two of his last three losses have come via KO. So I think we all, you know, every single fighter needs to, you know, eventually they're going to lose. They're going to learn from that experience. And I think Ferreira comes out, uh, you know, as respective of a fighter as he is uh, and gets the win and likely gets the knockout as well. So I, I think you could add a little bit more for him inside the distance and him via KO. Hawes' chin just isn't, you can't trust it anymore. Yeah, you know, it feels like a pretty good price tag there on Bruno uh, at coming off that loss. It, this would be way inflated if he didn't have that, if he still had that O in his record. So probably pretty good value right there. And again, KOTKRTQ is plus a dollar 25. I want to go to an early fight that you like, and that's Tom Nolan against Nicholas Mata here. And now uh, Nolan right now over a $3 betting favor, but I think you have a different way that you'd like to play this to shorten that price tag. Yeah, look, we don't know much about Nolan. Obviously, he's coming, making his UFC debut, but the film on him on the regional scene is that he does have power, and what we do know about Mata is that he's a guy that's susceptible to the knockout uh, or, or getting a knockout. Uh, but I think in his last three fights, two of them, have he's been knocked out. He's an extremely short, stout fighter for the weight class. I think he's 5'9", 5'10". He's going in there against a guy that's 6'3". So it's going to have the reach advantage, going to have the size advantage. And just, look, Mata just hasn't corrected the defense. He hasn't corrected the fact that he leaves his chin susceptible, whether it be the hands or an elbow, in, in the case of his most recent defeat, uh, getting knocked out. So I think Nolan certainly maybe a little bit risky, because he's a new guy in the in the UFC, so add a little bit more value to it and, and do it via KO uh, to add, add a little bit to the newcomer to the UFC. Only about 20 seconds to go, Jordan. How's Chicago after losing again to the Packers? What are they doing at quarterback? Jesus, I, look, your guess is as good as mine. I, I, I think if you're at gun to my head, they're keeping everybody. They're rinsing and repeating and bringing everybody back, and that sucks. They're keeping everybody, so says Jordan Sherwood. Appreciate it. Uh, give him a follow one on ESPN 1000, the host of the unnamed MMA pod. When we come back, we're going to Arizona to catch up with our guy Lou Finicaro next here on First Strike.
you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley, and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Before you make your next bet, be sure to visit VEASAN.com. Check the current betting splits data. Want to know the money and bets are moving for every single NFL or bowl game? Well, those are all done. But the betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every five minutes. You can see the changes in all the action. Find out where the public is betting based on the number of tickets, where the money doesn't match the public opinion. We're always improving our betting splits and recently added soccer betting splits from around the world. Betting splits are another way VEASAN is here to make you a smarter better year-round. Check out today's betting splits for every game at VEASAN.com slash splits. We now catch up with our guy, Lou Finicaro. You can follow him on X as I do at Gamblue, coming to us from the great state of Arizona. Lou, for the first time, Happy New Year. We're back here in 2024. It's been a minute. How, how did you take some time away as the UFC took almost a month off? Well, first of all, thanks for having me. Happy New Year to everyone. The rest is always great. Uh, Specifically, Dave, uh, there's a 700-member 
database that has to be updated and uh, you know cleaned up. And mm -hmm. so the old fighters go off, the new fighters go on. I also uh, am a football NFL only handicapper, and so it it was really nice to be able to focus solely on that for a few weeks uh, and get a little break from the UFC. But boy. Uh, the UFC is our bread and butter. Mm -hmm. We're the we're the only sport that goes January one to December thirty first. We're not seasonal. I I love the setup. I love what the UFC does for us by way of offering us uh, forty to forty four cards per year, and I'm ready to rock and roll. Couldn't have said it better myself, Lou. Very well put here. Very very appreciative for what the UFC does for people like you and me. Uh, let's get to it here because the About Business Podcast, you get that each and every week. And I know the sneak tip is already out. Lou, what do you have out there for everybody uh, that gives that great podcast a listen? Sneak tip just takes a seven-minute look at opening lines for each week's fight card. Uh, at this point in time, and I mentioned this on the pod, we're in the throes of NFL playoffs. So there are no pay-per-views until next week because they really know their place. And so we get overshadowed a bit by the NFL, but that changes come February. You'll see much more dynamic and volatile market movement once we get to February. This card showed just a couple of favorite switches and modest changes. Uh, obviously, with the main event here, Magomed Ankalaev against Johnny Walker, you can understand why Ankalaev is a big favorite. Again, almost a $5 betting, betting favorite against the wild Brazilian, who's, who's not as wild, I guess, these days inside the octagon. But, Lou, I know we're not in the business of laying big price tags like this. When you look at the main event, will it be different from the first time around, which was a no contest after you know three months ago in Abu Dhabi, where it looked like Ankalaev was starting to take control until that illegal strike uh, caused, caused the postponement of the rest of that matchup. How do you view this quote-unquote rematch? Boy, that's I'm glad you bring me right to that. That was very, very odd outcome yeah. and, and uh, overall evolution in that fight. Uh, on the one hand, it's clear that Uncle I have made a mistake and hit Walker grounded. But after that, the oddity was to me that it looked like Walker didn't want any part of the fight anymore until they called it off and then <laughs> he put on a show. And so I'm maybe, uh, and I'd love people to correct me if I'm wrong, I, I thought he didn't want anymore. And quite honestly, uh, the way this fight sets up is you got this flamboyant striker and Johnny Walker that I think needs to get back to some flamboyance clearly if you just take a Brazilian off the street and a Russian off the street, they hate each other. <laughs> you take a Brazilian fighter and a Russian fighter, you add a little stringency to that formula. These guys want to kill each other. Walker, by knocking Ankalaev's head into the fourth row, and Ankalaev, by being able to take Walker down. Now, the difference in this fight is we've got five rounds instead of three. I think you'll see Ankalaev take a measured approach uh, systematically take let Johnny get some of his juice out of him, but ground him and then sub him out. I think Angolaev is in a very good position, provided he doesn't get, uh, it, it, provided he doesn't try and take care of his business too quickly and rush in to a knee, to a spinning elbow, or something that Johnny can 
catch him with. Now, uh, Walker is a brown belt in BJJ, but we don't see him use it that much. His takedown defense is substandard, and it's clear the path that each man wants to take, I believe. And I'm cheating now by looking to see if there's a total on this fight. Yeah, one, one and a half. And yeah, we got a seven and a half minute there for you, Lou. And again, it's slightly juiced to the over at minus forty. the under plus ten. if you think it gets done inside of seven and a half. But I, I guess you're right. I mean, Walker wants to look at that. You, if you're on the Walker side, that KO prop at six to one, would you look at the at the sub side for Uncle Ivan plus eight fifty, or you think it's ground and pound if he gets him down to the ground? Yeah, these are these are great questions, and and usually uh, those that watch our fine show know that I'm a little tepid when it yep. comes to taking risk, and so I lean to the ITD. That way, I get both inside the distance, and I do believe that's how. Magomed Ankalaev will finish this fight. I believe he'll accomplish a victory inside the distance. Yeah, minus four dollars for Ankalaev to get it done inside of five rounds uh, for that prop. Let's get to a rematch in the co-main event. Manal Cape here is a, a cop, rather, is minus two sixty-five against Matthias Nikolaou. Nikolaou now plus two fifteen and plus two ten. So it would have been a money changing there. Uh, Manal's an interesting fighter. We saw him go off recently at a press conference, and there's a when you look at him, he feels like he's got championship style potentially in the flyweight division. What do you make of this rematch here? And again, cop right now is minus two fifty-eight. I'm seeing here on the big board. Well, we have Nicolau on a bounce. Here's a guy that won four good fights before he ran into one against uh, Brandon Royval, and that can happen to anyone. I think compelling to this fight, Dave, is that they fought previous, and Cop was just a, a young, up-and-coming talent. He wasn't near as developed or capable or athletic and powerful as he's grown into at this date. And in that fight, uh, Nicolau won a close split decision, and, and at the time, watching the fight, I thought Cop might have won it. Be that as it may, a different day, different time, and I think Cop's just too athletic, too fast, too powerful. The, the Brazilian Nicolau is going to have to try and engage somehow, and that's where he is going to find himself in some risk. This fight opened some time ago. Cop was only minus 180. I tried like heck to, <laughs> to get him tied into a parlay one way or another. I couldn't make the other side work. And so I've lost good 60 cents in value. And it's going to have to be maybe an inside the distance now, which I feel pretty confident uh, for cop as well. Plus money on that one, Lou. You can get plus an hour 50 for cop inside the distance there. So uh, again, instead of laying the bigger number now, as it has ballooned a little bit, I think it's really good advice there. If you're on the mental uh, side here, you can get him at plus an hour 50 to get this done inside of three rounds in the co-main event. Uh, another fight that I don't think many people will hit the cards is Gabriel Benitez against Jim Miller, the ageless Jim Miller now 40 years young. Doesn't look like he's lost a whole lot off his fastball. If anything, Lou, looks like he's picking up some power, maybe even in his advancing age. He has flipped to a smaller favor. He's about minus $1.18 here uh, against Benitez. Do you trust old man Jim to, to get it done once again? Benitez opens 155 in this fight. The way I handicap, I think that is close to correct. So I disagree with Miller going to the favorite. And I'm not taking anything away from Jim Miller. Mm. But he's fighting a guy that's five years younger, hasn't really had problems 
being subbed. He's a he goes out there and wants to throw down, and when he gets in trouble, it's by the KO because other guys tee off on him. And so I don't see that threat from Miller. I consider Benitez a live dog. I want to get to another fight because, again, sometimes we get the recency bias in the betting market. We saw Ricky Smone. It did not look good against Song Yudong in a fight he was favored to win in a main event. And now I don't know that that loss to Song Yudong looks as bad as it did maybe the first time we all watched it happen, right? And now he is a favorite against Mario Bautista, but maybe not as big a favorite because he's bouncing back or coming back off of that loss. Is there any value here in Simone here at minus an hour 80 in a fight again? You think, I would think Ricky Simone says, I, I just want to take Bautista down to the ground and keep taking him down and wear him down. That's right. And, and if you want to take advantage of Mario, that's what you want to do. His takedown defense, even though he's at a gym at the lab that really specializes in grappling and wrestling, uh, he, he can improve there a little. Here's a fight that hasn't really moved much. Uh, Ricky Simone opens minus 155, minus 160. We've seen just a little action come in on him. The one thing that I will say is that Bautista and that gym with Kyler Phillips trained and beat Ricky Simone, Eileen Bautista. Well, it's great to have you back in 2024, my friend. Always appreciate your time and the information. Again, check out the Bout Business Podcast. We're going to D.C. next. Reed Coon, come on back. It's First Strike. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. 
and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James! LeBron James! And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We roll on the first 2024 edition of First Strike. Dave Ross here in Las Vegas, Nevada at Fabulous Circus Sportsbook. Always a pleasure to go to the nation's capital, catch up with our guy Reed Kuhn. You can follow Reed as I do on X at Fightnomics. He is the author of a book of the same name. Reed, you know, we've gone to Boston with Dan Vreeland. Bad weather there. Chicago, they got snow with Jordan Sherwood. Beautiful for Lou Finicaro in Arizona. What's it like in D.C. right now, my friend? And it, it looks like a hurricane outside, except it's too cold to be a hurricane. So I'm just hoping the power stays on. Stay with me. If it doesn't, uh, I'll, I'll call in. I'll call in by cell phone the old-fashioned way. All right. Hopefully we're going to keep you and keep the, the power on here for this edition of First Strike. Let's get right to it here. Uh, the first bout here of 2024 in the main event is Magomed Ankalaev, obviously a big favorite uh, that we've seen in the rematch against Johnny Walker. And I'm always curious, you know, talking to different handicappers out there, how much do the numbers, if at all, play into what happened before the fight was ruled a no contest. Do you, do you take that data into account or throw the whole fight out since it was officially not, not a fight that they're going to keep for the history books? I do take that data, but it was a brief fight. So it's really not going to skew their historical numbers all that much. And we're still stacking them up in terms of kind of a five-year look back or, you know, a longer career view. So Yes, it's in there. I don't see it skewing it. I was on Ankalaev the first time. I'm still going to be on him again. I think his price has gone through the roof. Uh, but yeah, I, I think it's deserving. I mean, he is an insanely accurate power striker. And we have seen that Johnny Walker has a weirdly vulnerable chin. Mm -hmm. And he eats a lot of punches. And that's a huge liability. So as long as it's standing, I see Ankalaev having the edge. And then factor in the fact that he has... Almost a quarter of all his fight time is controlling people on the ground. He's very dominant in his wrestling. And Walker, yes, he has submissions. But if, you know, Uncle Ive is just pressing him to the mat, it's not going to be worth anything. So I do see Uncle Ive as having the edge on both levels here. Yeah, that's the fascinating part. Because I think if people want to back the dog here in Johnny Walker, they say, well, he's got the seven-inch reach advantage. So obviously the striking is going to favor Johnny. But the numbers that you have... That's that's not accurate. So could you see a scenario where Uncle Ive, and I get, again, the KO prop, uh, you, you can shorten that price tag here. Would you look to that? And that's maybe why the submission prop is plus 850, because if Uncle Ive either can get a straight KO on the feet or ground and pound once it hits the ground, is that a playable number for you at 265? I, I do like a striking finish here more than I like a submission finish, because I think if he gets on the ground, Walker is pretty crafty with submissions. He has to play a conservative. Uh, but your point about Walker being the better striker because he has a range advantage, it's true he has a range advantage. 
but on paper, he eats more punches than he gives out. And that is a liability. So if he is so good at being a long range striker, why is he getting hit so much? And why is his accurate accuracy so poor? So Uncle Ive is going to be the more accurate guy. He likes to use kicks, and that is one way to fight a long-range fighter. Uh, when you're giving up a reach advantage, go for those head kicks, and those are dangerous at light heavyweight. So um, I do like Uncle Ive. I think he is the more violent threat here. I just wonder if Walker might throw something crafty, something ridiculous. I mean, that is in his repertoire, flying knees, spinning stuff, who knows? Uh, so there is a wild card here at light heavyweight, lots of finishing potential. You could be using that hedge of an inside the distance and a parlay just in case Walker comes out with something crazy. Yeah, that's the thing with the Johnny Walker fight. You never know truly what to expect from Johnny Walker. He's been more disciplined uh, in recent times, that three-fight win streak before that no contest the first time around against Akaliyev. In the uh, co-main event here, we have a true rematch, a fight that actually did uh, play itself out the first time around. Uh, Matias Nicolau did get that win against a much younger Manuel Cop back in the day. Cop now is a big favorite here in this rematch. What are the data points showing you, and, and how much uh, are you taking from that first fight? Yeah, now this is an example where we are using that fight in the data. Both guys have looked pretty good since that fight. It was a split decision. If you go look back, uh, clearly Nicolau had the takedowns, and he does have the more dominant grappling game in the first round of that fight. And then maybe Cop had the edge in striking. It was very close to call. That's why it was a split decision uh, at the end there. But he probably got the edge in the striking. He was landing more. Um, and so you look at this, 77 takedown. 77% takedown defense for Cop. That is way above average. So he is good at defending takedowns. And outside of the first round, he did stuff the takedowns against Nicolau. So if he can get that traction earlier, he forces this fight to be where he wants it, which is on the feet. And he did prove that first time he's capable of outworking Nicolau. And if you look at Nicolau, he's lost only three times in his career, all three times by strikes. That is the most common form of victory for Cape. So I, I see lots of factors here lining up for Manel Cop. I, I like him. The price is maybe getting a little bit too high. I think you had to grab him early to see a lot of value. Uh, we'll see where we end up on Friday. I'm, I'm thinking maybe a little bit of retraction. People are going to remember, hey, he did lose that first fight. Uh, and Nicolau's only loss is against Roydal, which is a pretty you know elite talent. So I think this should be a little bit closer in the odds, but my lean is towards Cop. If Cop can keep the fight standing, do you see finishing potential? Because you mentioned Nicolau may be susceptible to strikes, or do you think this is a fight more than likely that ends up potentially hitting the cards or over two and a half rounds? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. The flyweights um, don't really show up abnormally low in terms of the knockout rate as a division. Uh, as we used to see a, a steeper trend in terms of smaller fighters not landing the knockouts, it's not really true anymore. These guys add up to 13 combined knockdowns. And if you look up and down the card, it's hard to find that many outside of the main event. And those guys are light heavyweights. So there is plenty of knockdown potential in these guys. And if they're fighting for 15 rounds back and forth and it stays on the feet, yeah, I do see some finishing potential. Um, Nicolau has been dropped three times, so he is susceptible. And I think Cop may have more confidence in his hands uh, due to his finishes. So, yeah, I, I'll see. I would like to see some plus money on a striking finish for Cop. But, yeah, that could be an angle. Plus $1.70 there, KRTKRDQ on the Cop side, if he can get it done with those hands. Uh, I see a bad moon rising. I always hear CCR whenever Jim Miller makes that uh, that ring walk here. He's going to do it against Gabriel Benitez here, and Miller is now flipped to the favorites role. Uh, does the data support 40 years young Jim Miller being a favorite in 2024? 
Yeah, he's, uh, he, I mean, he continues to set records. The guy's pretty timeless. And um, it's funny because he's not even nearly the oldest guy on this card because we also have Andre Arlovsky competing this this weekend. Uh, but Jim Miller has proven to be a dual threat guy. He is competent with his hands. He always has awesome submissions and grappling. And I think that could be the difference here because Benitez doesn't have above average takedown defense. And once he's on the ground, he has mostly been dominated to the tune of nearly 80% of control time for his opponents. That's pretty lopsided. I think if Miller gets this down, he owns this fight. Um, it was interesting. He was actually briefly the underdog and now he's back in the favorite. So the market can't really decide if they want to trust a 40 year old guy. But in this case, I think they found an opponent that actually works to his favor. So probably I'm going to be leaning towards Jim Miller on fight night, even if I have to lay a little bit of juice, not too much though. You know, every time I see these fights before I ever look at the numbers and I know stylistically I can hear Reed Kuhn and the fight nomics data points coming out for a fighter, say like Ricky Simone, because I know how much the numbers are. are you guys value those wrestlers against Mario Bautista here. And Simone is, is a big favorite, minus dollar 80, but maybe would be, even bigger if it didn't look so bad the last time out against Song Yudong. Did the numbers support Simone as close to a $2 betting favorite? Yeah, it's not that Batista has bad grappling metrics. They're actually pretty good. It's just that Simone is awesome with his wrestling control time. And actually up and down the card, he has the most total control time uh, per fight of any fighter. He's spending over a quarter of his time in control on the mat. Um, so that's a startling metric. So if Batista, who has generally been successful when he uses his grappling, not as much so on striking, but more in his grappling, uh, that's going to get negated. And if you're taking away his best strength and then you're pitting him against Ricky Simone, who's maybe going to have the edge on the ground or at least a neutral situation on the ground, but he's definitely going to have the edge with the hands because Ricky Simone hits hard. Uh, and I think eventually that could make a difference. So I think he gets to choose where this fight goes. Uh, and, you know, give me Ricky Simone. That's a fairly affordable price for a guy with advantages on both levels. Got about a minute to go, but I'd be remiss in 2024 if we didn't talk about a fighter that was fighting in 1996. The former heavyweight champion of the world, Andre Orlovsky, back in there against Waldo Cor Cortez Acosta. I, I, almost a $5 betting underdog. Look, $6 betting underdog for Acosta if you want to back the fave. How do you handicap a fight like Orlovsky in 2024? I don't know. <laughs> this is ridiculous. I, um, you really got to go back and, and cherry pick someone who was north of nearly 45 years old to step into the octagon. Uh, James Tony might be an, a, a lone <laughs> exception. Uh, and maybe Randy at one point came in that old, but mm -hmm. this is definitely rare air for a UFC fighter to enter the octagon at that age. Um, statistically speaking, yeah, Waldo ha has much crisper striking and you got to think the speed advantage for someone 14 years younger, he's going to find the chin at some point. Orlovsky has been dropped 10 times in UFC competition. That is uh, probably in the top five. If I had to think about who's been dropped that many times, dangerous, dangerous. Hopefully it's a retirement fight. Wow. I'm glad you're not retired. I'm glad I'm not because, uh, yeah, we keep punching here in 2024. So thanks to Britain Hess, Rob Moreno. We are back, baby. Cash and tickets. We'll see you next week here on First Strike.
What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 